Welcome to the Tennis Addict Podcast, the podcast for tennis fans by tennis fans. Listen as the hosts break down the latest news and tournament results from around the tennis world. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced early each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Here are your hosts, Mike, Eric, and Michael. All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host and brother, Eric. How's it going, everybody? All right, so uh, we took a week off uh, after the U.S. Open to kind of recharge and, and everything. And uh, wasn't so now, really a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying hard. to downplay the ATP 250 tournaments and whatnot, but... I mean, there's Davis Cup cover, and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, we try to cover all of those and we'd be doing this every week. So right. it was uh, it was a nice week off. All right. So, uh, you know, we're going to get to some fan feedback. We're, uh, we're in a three-setter this week. We have fan feedback in, in set one. Set two is going to be with the news in the last couple of weeks. And then set three... We're going to dive back into the Serena uh, U.S. Open uh, controversy. I know that might elicit a groan, but uh, we wouldn't be covering it if there wasn't more information to bring to light and further discussion. Uh, And actually, that leads into our feedback for set one because it has something to do precisely with Serena. And uh, the feedback relates to our... Uh, podcast in our discussion from two weeks ago. So, Eric, uh, well, I'm going to hand it over to you, take it away, and we get started. All right. So, uh, first thing that we're going to announce before the fan feedback is uh, co-host and cousin uh, Mikey is going to take a, a bit of a hiatus uh, just, uh, you know, for personal reasons, wants to spend more time. is more difficult for him than the two of us uh, to fit this in because, uh, you know, him and uh, his wife work and, and with the daughter and uh, you know, other things going on, nothing serious or whatnot, but, you know, he wanted to take some time off to uh, be able to get everything ducks in a row and so on and so forth. So uh, he'll be back at some point, but for the foreseeable future, uh, we will be without him. Uh, does mean probably get a little bit more consistent podcasts out, Mike. You know, you and I can probably fit our Sundays in when like we try to do. Uh, so I'm imagining people can get a little bit more consistency because what we've done in the past was all right, we can't do Sunday. We're going to try to get all three people together. Let's try Monday. And sometimes that still doesn't work. And there's only two of us, but we're waiting till Monday to do it. We're in this point, probably, you know, consistently on Sundays, getting it put up or so is what's going to happen um, for the most part from here on out. Um, yeah, so sure. uh, that's that's that. And then we're going to get into uh, fan feedback here. Uh, so this was from, I'm not sure who Mike, you'd have to tell me, but I'm just going to go in and read what they wrote. To uh, us. It's from uh, Emily. <clears throat> Okay. Her name is Emily. Yeah. All right. So from Emily, uh, and I, I like the bluntness of it too, as because it's accurate, but it's also at the time we were, you know, I was not emotional, but a little more heated at it. So uh, she states, you guys totally missed the point about why Carlos Ramos gave the verbal abuse code violation to Serena. It had nothing to do with the cultural uh, culture of calling someone a liar, nor does it have to do with her previous ranting at an umpire. The role on verbal abuse clearly states the following. Verbal abuse is... Any statement about an official dot dot dot, but that it applies dishonesty. Uh, you can see one page. Uh, sorry, you can see page one sixteen, section G in the code of conduct. Uh, you can look that up at uh, ifttennis.com. Uh, there's a PDF of it, so if you feel free to read all the roles, you can. Um, in this instance, both liar and thief definitely fits that definition. Thus, the code violation for verbal abuse. 
In addition, swearing is covered under the audible obscenity code violation, not the verbal abuse rule, which is why the argument some are making that she didn't even swear at the umpire and yet got called for verbal abuse is wrong. And that part is in C, uh, C page 115, section E, audible obscenity. So I can see where we, we, I, I'm technically, yes, we're technically wrong. Yeah, we were wrong. My, my opinion is it's still selective. So, not say selective interpretation, but selectively enforced. So that's where it's okay. Did you did you need to do it at that moment? Was it really going to cause like with the stature of the, of what was at stake? You know, if it was zero zero and she got really upset at something before that the match started, you give them that. It's not going to be as big of a deal. But when we're talking the, near the end of the second set, when someone's got a lead, like that's a huge. It's a huge thing to happen because it takes a while. For sometimes for people to come back, you know, you get out of your stage mentally. You can see what happens when someone takes a mental vacation during a match and they drop a set real quick and then they get back on. And so I, I still stand by that. Yes, correct. It is correct. It was completely by the book, but also it's something that wasn't, is not, is not enforced a lot and the timing of it was not the best to do because he could have simply done nothing. He might have felt insulted, but at the end of the day that it felt more of a getting back at you because he knew what was going to happen. I'm still sticking by that. He knew the next one was going to be a game. Right. Okay. okay. Well, let, let me, let me so. respond here. Uh, and I, I understand what you're saying. Look, I think for a lot of people, that's where they're coming at this in the long run is given the stakes of the situation, given that it's a final that, you know, it's kind of like if you are, say, an American football fan, as an example, or, or even if you're like uh, uh, football generally around the world. We call it soccer, but uh, around the world it's just called football. It's the difference between um, letting the players play, right? Sometimes that happens where you see um, whether it's American football or maybe maybe even football around the world, as it's known, where a lot of nitpicky fouls get, you know, uh, called in, in a match or in a game. And sometimes you're just like, Hey, come on, refs, just let them play. Right. I, I don't need, you don't need to call every single thing. Um, because if you did that, you would just be blowing the whistle all the time. Here's the thing though. And I understand kind of the idea here is just let it go. Let it go. It's not that big a deal. It's the final, but at the same time, look, Serena is a grown woman. She's been playing this game for a long time and she's been on the tour for 20 years. She knows the rules. She knows what's at stake. And at the end of the day, well, as I said last week, I feel like the bigger issue is that there is a lack of consistency among the officials as opposed to anything else. Some officials are more lenient. Some officials are more strict. Now, Ramos is known to be a strict by-the-book official. This isn't the first match that he's ever covered, I believe, for Serena uh, in the past. So, you know, it's not like Serena didn't know that. Now, to be fair, she's in the middle of a very emotional moment. So I get it that in that moment, she's not thinking about that. But at the same time, it's it's Serena's job to cool herself down and make herself, you know, disengage from the situation and and just get ready and go out there and play, which is the only thing in the end that she can control. She can control her actions and she can go out there and, and play the points and try to win the match. But in this instance, I feel like while, yes, 
Ramos could have been more lenient. It's not his job. That it's not his job to be lenient. He's he's like, if he's gonna call the rules on people and he's gonna be very strict to him. I see I see his view is I want to treat everybody the same. I'm gonna call it on Serena. I'm gonna call it on Feder. I call it on the doll. Call it on whoever. I don't care. I'll call it every single time this way, and and that's fine. That that's his. That's his job, and he's simply doing it and treating the rules like they should be treated in his mind, which is, this is the rule. You violated the rule. It's not my job to make concessions. I call it end of story. So I agree. And and by the way, Emily, uh, thank you for sending in that feedback. Um, it was a great catch there. You're definitely correct. We came at it from a different angle. Um, and. I think you're correct here for sure because, uh, you know, we didn't um, look at it based on what was in the code of conduct and in the rule book and the uh, verbal abuse or the audible obscenity code violation. Uh, We didn't look that up. We didn't check that. Uh, We probably should have, to be honest, but we didn't. And thank you for catching that because uh, that definitely corrects what we said last week. but like I said, Eric, I understand your position, but I I I feel like um, at the end of the day, Serena needed to control herself better, and she didn't. Yeah, I think there's there's a few things that could have gone a little bit better, including her as well too. Um, and, and it yeah. ultimately it was her. She's the one that said what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still am going to be firmly like, all right, the. It, it it it's gonna influence something greatly, and it it did, it did. There's nothing you can say about it. She she may have deserved it, but at the end of the day, I, I still feel like you could have just let that slide. Um, now, if she'd have kept going or something like that, like yeah. Um, but it was she said it walking away, and while stung was not not wrong thing to say. You don't know if she'd have kept going, or maybe that would have been it, and, and that was that was it. The rest of the anger she got out. Over so on and so forth, but, but now let me you ask, don't can know. I ask you a question before we move on. Yeah. See, I think this is where the problems begin, though. Um, you know, because if you are if you are somebody, and say in that instance, if you're Ramos and you decline to in the final, I get it, but to a to a an official, it's a final, but it's also just another match at the same time, and. Where I think we have to remember, what we have to remember is if you're not willing to do this at any time, that's when you get called out. Now, in this instance, he's being called out, I think, for for different reasons. But it's the inconsistency. So if Ramos in this instance said, okay, I've just been called a liar and a thief, right? And I'm going to let it go. And then in six months when I'm uh, officiating the Australian Open, and um, Novak Djokovic calls me insert obscenity or, or insert insult, whatever, something that's of the same ilk, right? Similar phrases, something where, and he said he calls uh, something on Novak, and maybe it's the same situation, right? And he's taking away a game. And then someone comes out and says, but wait a second, Serena said that six months ago. And you know what? You didn't, uh, you certainly didn't do it then. And now you're going to do it now. See, that's where the problems come in, right? So while I understand it's the final 
and he could have been a little more lenient and he could have taken a look at the situation and it's an emotional moment. It's an emotional match for everybody. At the end of the day, that's where the problems start is when you're not willing to make the hard call, even though it's not going to be popular, even though the player is going to hate you for it, you're still standing up for yourself, your integrity as an official, and you're, you're, you're guided by the rule book, which tells you what to do. Because then that's where the problems start. And that's what's happening here. And like I said, you've got all these other officials that are, are so scared of some of the the legends of the game and un- unwilling to call you know, infractions on them and, and code violations and being way too lenient. And then you've got Ramos and a, and a few other refs that uh, come in and they're very by the book and, and they'll call yeah, every single thing. But no, but see, he's also not because I can go back and I'll pull it up. Many matches that Nadal plays where Ramos is it and you, you know, he'll go over 30 seconds all the time, you know, the previous years. And it it takes a while towards the end of a match half the time. And then he'll finally get a violation. If you're going to be strict, the first time Nadal crosses 30 seconds, back then it was 30, um, you're calling it. You know, you can't be then lax on time violations for crap like that. Like, I feel there, and the reason I'm, I'm defending myself on this with Serena, and then we got to move on here. But it, there was a clear bit of confusion that he himself helped create around the whole thing, starting with the first warning, and then agreeing with her about everything. You know, like, oh, I, I see why I understand it. And he said he agreed with her. Yes, yes, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then when she got the second one, that's when she was kind of lit up because she's sure. like, hey, you said, you know, I think. I agree. The reason I should I, – I I'm thinking of some leniency is that he wasn't just clear the whole time. If he'd have been – if he'd have been, no, it looked like coaching for me, blah, 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 this is the warning and would have been more frank and more just strict straight up like, no, not agreeing with her and then she getting confused at the, at the end because I feel like that was a bit of it. You know, that or she's, she's an actress and that's what she needs to move into. But that, it yeah. felt like that did not help it. And no, then it's clearly. Like, okay, then you got – a little short, not say short tempered, but you know, him helping cause the situation to an extent by not really being super clear and concise, especially um, after and after the second one, he should have also been like, look, I understand you, how you're confused about the first one, but the first one was the warning. This is going to be a, a thing. And then the next one's going to cost you a game. I didn't hear any of that either. If it was said, I'd like to hear it. And then there's absolutely nothing. There's I nothing think you could better say. better communication is necessary yeah, moving forward. I, I do too. For sure. I'm not trying to totally blame him, but I feel that has to play a little bit of a part when it's it's not just black and white. There was some confusion and some anger based on it, feeling that she felt the first one shouldn't have been a warning because she wasn't coaching. She didn't receive any coaching, whether it was like it should have been. The guy you know, admitted he tried. And that's what Carlos saw. But there wasn't as much clarification as there should have been. A little more clarification would have been the best defense for Ramos because you'd have been you'd have been able to go to the tape. See, he clearly said this. And the second time, clearly said this. You know, and then and it, it is what it is. But that's that's where my, most of mine lies with Carlos. Is he did not help the matter starting from the very beginning. So I'm okay. uh, right. going to move into some news. This is set, set two. two. Yep. Uh, we had some. Um, some things happen. I don't see here where we're talking. All right. So we're not talking about because it's not. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is there. Okay. I didn't see the second one. I'm like, where the heck? All right. So uh, Croatia defeats uh, United States and then France defeated Spain, setting up a final b- b- um, between Croatia and Spain later this year. This is a Davis Cup. 
Um, and then we have uh, Team Europe defeating Team World again to retain its title for the second consecutive year since inception. That would be the uh, uh, Labor Cup. Yep. Um, so it was it was it was pretty cool to watch. I didn't get to watch all of it. It was just really busy. It was. Um, I did see. It was good. I did see Fed smack Djokovic in the back mm-hmm. by accident with a ball. Yeah, that was pretty comical. <laughs> um, and uh, it was cool to see those two play together uh, on doubles. So I mean, hopefully everybody's back next year. Hopefully the doll's back next year. I honestly just don't see when Team Europe's ever going to lose until both Fed and the doll and maybe Djokovic or when he's the only one left uh, is going to because. You know, you're going to have uh, Murray. Um, Murray didn't play, did he? No, you know, I don't believe he. No, I don't think yeah, he played. So, no. so you didn't have Murray and you didn't have the doll and they still won. So uh, I just think it's it's going to be kind of stacked against Team World. At some point, they need to like do Team Northern Europe versus the world or something like that to give these guys a bit of a chance. So anyway, um, big news is uh, Dominique Team. I'm pretty sure this is big because I'm pretty sure it's his first hardcore title. Uh, Dominic team defeated Martin Clizon six three six one to win St. Petersburg. I swear I'm right about this, Mike. Am, am I not? I got. I, gotta uh, I think you're right. You're correct. I don't. I don't believe. No, I think everything he's won thus far has been on clay. I yeah, I so. don't see here. Um, I'll double check that and say, and bring it up at the very end. But uh, it, it was really nice. Um, he didn't have to play. He um, who did he play? Batista Goot. And then um, he didn't play Warinka, right? That one was what was supposed to happen. Oh, for for uh, St. Petersburg. Yeah, for St. Petersburg. He was supposed to um, – uh, Clizon. Oh, yeah, because Clizon beat Warinka. That's what it was. Um, so he, it was they were on a crash course for a final, but Clizon beat Warinka in three sets. He lost the first set and he came back six three seven five because that's what I was looking forward to. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be great, you know. Dominique and Stan, the, the the two cream of the crops for one handed backhands, just smashing that ball back and forth. But alas, it didn't formalize uh, uh, to see. But uh, you know, good on Dominique team getting uh, a hard court title, um, especially after that tough tough loss at the U.S. Open. Um, Nadal is supposed to return by the Paris Masters. Right now, that's the tentative timetable. We'll see. It always goes, he says, how, how he feels up until uh, when he has to leave, which is usually like the Friday, Thursday or Friday before the tournament starts. So we'll, we'll know by then. Yeah. Um, some sad news was Mikhail Yuzny uh, retires after his first round loss in St. Petersburg. Um, now, he was ranked as high as number eight. And he was actually, I think, ranked eight when we went to see him at the U.S. Open, like, five or six or seven years ago, something like that. He was number eight then. It was when uh, so um, he faced Nadal in 2000, I believe, 2010. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, yeah, when, when we were there. So uh, that was really cool to see now, knowing that we were there during his highest number. Uh, he did win 10 titles too, so he wasn't exactly you know, just a low-level player, You know, played, played well. He actually won a decent number of titles. Um, he's a good, solid player. Yeah, he was a good, solid player. He, he was because he, he he could upset some people too. He wasn't necessarily the dragon killer, but he upset some people that you didn't expect. You're like, oh, you know, using blah, blah blah, and then you know he would come out and and uh, you know beat some people. Um, so for the next part, we have the ATP suspending uh, Muhammad Liani for two tournaments following a review of his behavior towards the Curious U.S. Open. This is the semi a little bit overshadowed now by uh, Serena. But it, up until then, was the kind of um, 
big deal of the tournament because it got down and it seemed more like a pep talk. Like you said, I don't feel that it was completely intentional because he just wanted to, the match to go on. But if someone doesn't want to play, the, the umpire doesn't need to let him play. You know, <laughs> hey, come on, guy, give it a little bit better shot. I know you can do better than this. And the guy turns around and actually ends up winning. If I was the other player, I'd have been pretty upset. <laughs> like, thanks, Muhammad. I had him on the ropes. And then you talk Nick into playing his game again. And then I lost because of it. I lost money and points and so on and so forth. So um, I think it's I think it's warranted. I think it's sure. it's the the NFL's version. It's going off topic. The NFL's version of the Clay Matthews roughing the quarterback this is the this is what you don't do as an umpire when you get down from the chair just don't talk to him in any way like this uh so this is the poster child for what not to do um as an umpire towards an opponent um not an opponent sorry towards a player uh you don't want to directly influence the outcome of a a match more than maybe ramos did or didn't this definitely kind of can't take it any way he definitely changed the outcome of the match. yeah and 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 not jump back into it but you know I kind of also wonder if to a not to a certain extent this you know could have also influenced, influenced Ramos's Ramos. decisions in that final it could have been. because he he saw firsthand what it was like for somebody to not do precisely yeah. what they were supposed to do I mean, and I think so too I know. think if he wouldn't have done it I bet you we'd be hearing a bunch of people making hoopla about well you know especially if Serena would have ended up winning it would have been well you know what he, the, the the umpire was in her favor because she should have gotten a game violation for swearing blah 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 like you'd have you can't win happen. you can't win you know it's either you're no. you're either too strict or you know and you're not understanding the moment and the, and the gravity of the the situation or yeah. Or you're not calling what it clearly was, you know. So it's like you can't win either. Yeah, un- either until way. the end, at, at the end of the day, the only thing I can say that's going to truly take it out of the hands is when you do not need an umpire anymore. When it is, when they can get the calibration and in, in line calling completely autonomous, where it's foolproof, 100 percent, whether they put something in the ball or put something in the paint on the lines or do something, and you don't need someone to physically call in or out, and it can be just that. Um, then, then it's going to always be human influence is always going to play a part at some point. Human error, human influence, something's going to happen. And you're never going to be right, Mike, like you said. You're either too lenient or this or that. So until it's completely autonomous and then there's no human uh, judgment involved, you know, then that's when no one's going to have a leg to stand on. But I don't see that happening for a long time. Yeah. Uh, now that's all for the ATP side. We had one tournament on the women's side, the Pan Pacific Open. Uh, that final was contested by Carolina Pliskova. And Naomi Osaka and Pliskova ended up winning 6-4, 6-4. We'll say Naomi looked a little tired. Um, and that turn that award's been thrown around a lot in a lot of the um, um, post-match, not interviews, but post-match columns I've read about it and whatnot. I didn't watch it, so I'm not sure what they mean by it, whether she looked like she was tired or was tired in a different way. But that's the word that's been thrown around, uh, thrown around a lot, Mike. What do you know about that? Um, you know, she, <laughs> I'll tell you what, she did look, she looked a little, I don't know, I, cause it, it feels, I feel bad saying stuff like this because it makes it, it makes it feel dude, like I, you're, I mean, she's been doing a lot of endorsement stuff lately. I mean, dude, she signed, like, it's not like she just came on ready. I know she's been busy since US Open with multiple endorsement deals. And then you're, you're filming, you're traveling, you're doing stuff like that. So if she legitimately looked tired, there's a reason for it because, I mean, we're talking huge endorsements right after, and that's a lot of commitment uh, to do. So, I mean, it's not – you're not going to say anything bad. If she looked tired, there's a reason, you know, because of it. No, definitely. Look, I, I look at it um, like this. 
Pliskova played a great match, and she really was pushing Naomi around left and right. If Naomi was a little tired, if she's a little, you know, still a little punch drunk from her U.S. Open win, you know, it's something that we've seen before. It's understandable. Hey, look, Pete Sampras won the 1990 U.S. Open, and I don't believe he won another Grand Slam for a few years. I don't think it was until, I want to say, the 93 Wimbledon that he won his next Grand Slam. So, you know... We kind of criticize this a lot, but, you know, it happens. Not everybody wins a Grand Slam and then immediately goes on a tear, you know. So uh, she's still probably coming to terms with everything, still kind of wrapping her head around stuff. And, yeah, there's a lot of endorsements. I mean, the fact is she made it to the final of the Pan Pacific Open, so it's not like she crashed out in the first round, a la say Sloan Stevens, like she did last year. Um, you are correct, by the way, to interrupt you. Yeah, 1990, and then he won Wimbledon in the U.S. Open in 93. Yes, so. exactly. So, you know, I just look at it like this. She, she, It's a good result. She lost in the final. Yeah, you wish she could have played better. Um, but, you know, it's a solid result. You made it to the final. It's, um, it's not a win. It's not a trophy. It's not a title. Add to your resume. But, um, you know, it shows that she's out there and she's competing. And she's competing well enough to make it to the final. So, again, nothing to sneeze at. So, good for her. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, that's all for the news. Um, moving to set three here and finish up. Uh, Serena Williams controversy. Oh, God. Controversy continued. Tongue tied today. Uh, so, we have a, kind of a breakdown of the, of the, from 2000, I'm sorry, from 1998 to 2018 is what you're bringing me here, Mike. Right. Uh, on the men's and women's side about what's called. And I'm not going to go down every single thing. And state the difference between the men's side and the women's side, but there are a few notables here. Um, mainly, I think due to a little bit of the women being able to control their tempers a little bit more than the men, what it feels like. Um, but there is one kind of glaring difference as well that's, that's staring us right in the eye. So, first is uh, racket abuse. Uh, it's a sevenfold basically uh, increase on the men's side. There's there were 646 um, calls for racket abuse versus only 99 for women. So it clearly states that, uh, you know, guys can't control their tempers a little bit more and smash their rackets more. Audible obscenities, uh, about two and a half times. There was 344 on the men's, 140 on the women's. On sportsmanlike conduct, the same, threefold, fourfold, uh, 287 on sportsmanlike for the men, 67 for the women. But the one that sticks out is the coaching. 87 for coaching on the men's side and 152 on the women's side. That's the only statistic that is doubled basically towards the women. The other one was uh, like a no press. There's been more women to walk out and not do press after a match than there has been men. But that's pretty big. Uh, and either it's A, because more coaching is going on, or B, because women look at their box a lot more than men do. I see it. Like when we watch the women's side, you know, Maria Sharapova, basically after every point, you know, looks up at her, at her box. Now when she's doing really well, maybe not. But at the end of the day, it seems like that's just a trend that a lot of women are looking up there. And whether they're getting true coaching, it is clearly being called over a 20-year period twice as often as the men. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, look, I mean, coaching coaching happens on <laughs> men's side and women's side. You know, coaching happens all the time. You know, coaches just are very good about being very um, – Sneaky about, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's what it is. I mean, they're sneaky they're about the way they manage the signal and stuff. Usually when someone's caught, it's because, because they're being very obvious about it in some way, which the, the umpire is like, oh, look, 
you're obviously coaching. Like, I know you guys are coaching. I know you guys are coaching, but I can't call it unless I see something which definitely says you're coaching. You're making a movement. You're, you're speaking audibly to the point where I can hear what you're saying, that kind of thing. Those are when coaches get called. Now, as for that statistic, yeah, it is what it is. Um, you know, it definitely is uh, skewed more in favor of women. Now, the one thing I'll say is – now, see, look, this was brought up in in articles uh, over the last couple of weeks, right? So I didn't just find this and pop this in here. This was in uh, various articles uh, across the internet. And um, Serena's husband came out and he said – and I, did, I do agree, but only to a certain extent. He said that, you know, these numbers don't really – you know, they don't really give the kind of, they don't, there's no context, or at least not enough context to these numbers, because it's like he said in, to himself, he said, you know, look, I mean, if, if, you know, these men, if 1500 uh, violations occurred or were given out, but say, um, you know, 10,000 events happened and only 1500 of, of them uh actual violations which were given but women 535 in total but you know out of 1500 incidents that's a much higher rate given so yes i agree and, and can you really go back and find that out no not really but i give that limited weight only because i just can't i just can't believe that when you have three times the amount of violations on the men's side as just as the woman's side um that that alone doesn't tell you that at the very least you're looking at that men do get quite a few, you know, violations thrown at them, you know, bracket abuse. I mean, you're looking at Eric, what it's like a 99 for women, 646 for, for men. Yeah, it's, it's, six it's a and lot. A half times. It's a lot. And, and audible obscenities, you know, three, almost three times the amount for, for men, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct, same thing, you know. That was, uh, that was almost five. That it, was four and a half times, a little over four and a half times. The and the amount, big one, so. verbal abuse, you know, 62, 62 for men and 16 for women. So, you're, you know, it's just it – is, it is a lot more fair than people would like to believe. And Serena has uh, recently come out and uh, she's contradicted her coach uh, now with regards to, to admitting the coaching occurred. And it, it – and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be very, I'm trying to be fair here, right? But I feel like what we're seeing, unfortunately, is a situation where I don't disagree that there is, look, Serena has suffered a lot in her life, especially when it comes to uh, racial issues outside of tennis, inside of tennis. She's had to go through a lot. There's no doubt. And when it comes to, I believe, you know, our, is there a sexist issue in tennis? Yeah, probably there is in some respects. There's no doubt, right? It's not a clear cut. Uh, it's not as clear cut as people like to think it is, but it definitely is there, okay? But here's the thing. I think the problem is that Serena is now in a situation where she's been – she's so forceful initially on the court and in the post-match interview that she can't – go back, right? I mean, she has to stick to her guns because otherwise she'd more or less have to come out and say, I, I, I kind of looking at things, reviewing things, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this really was a lot more fair than I, I 
initially thought or something, you know, uh, because we look at these numbers and the numbers seem to paint I'd like to see a breakdown of the U.S. Open, though. That's what I'd like to see if if I didn't look for it yet. But that's one thing is say, all right, for the U.S. Open this year, how many things were called in the men versus the women and see if it was, you know, this tells a, a large picture over 20 years. Um, Which is more fair, by the way, because it's not so, it's not so uh, isolated. I know, I know, but but that way you can see specifically if there's something more different about this particular U.S. Open because you have the same there's the same rotation of refs at the tournament. You know, you go in a 20 year period, you're going from lenient, you're getting the mix, which is great. But I would just also like to have the data to see what was the was it similar? Was it still like kind of a three to one ish? Or was it more women than men or something like that? Just to look at, you know, not necessarily come to a big conclusion about it, but I would just like to see if I can find it. So it's yeah. probably out there somewhere. It's just, it's interesting. You know, we brought these numbers in when they popped up. I remember thinking, I tried to look for it myself, actually, uh, before we recorded our episode two weeks ago. I was like trying to find some numbers, couldn't figure out where to find the numbers. Uh, and, and lo and behold, these pop up a few days after our podcast came out. And I was like, wow, you know, that's exactly what I was looking for. I wanted to get numbers to, to find out, you know, how many violations have come out over the years. And in these numbers, they, they were published. And, um, and look, I'm not Maybe. saying that this just suddenly is makes, you know, Serena's argument invalid. But what I am saying is that at the very least, it shows you that across a, a 20 year span of time that, at least it appears that, you know, men do get a lot of violations. They, they get called for a lot of stuff. So, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, it paints a picture of what I feel is actually pretty fair, honestly, for the most part. We'll see. And well, we could talk about this more down the road, but at least for now, of course. I think it definitely shows that uh, men do get called for violations. It's not just back in the Johnny Mac days, you know. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy this is well after the Johnny Mac days. Yeah, this is not ninety-eight, ninety-eight on. So, and I will say, I think there's um a bit of a logicalness to that. You know, we we see it. I don't see. I see women yelling at themselves. Mm-hmm. kind of more and then men yelling and screaming at everybody and themselves and then also smashing their rackets so i i don't th- i'm not saying that the racket abuse difference is not completely warranted because it probably is um but yeah the men definitely do get called more than the women so um, all right that's all we have here so i don't know what we have coming up mike um this week particularly is there anything going on um, you know, nothing that there's a few, uh, smaller tournaments that are coming up here, I believe, but, uh, I, I mean, there's the Rolex Shanghai masters, but that's not until the 7th of October. So it looks like, uh, what is coming up? We've got, uh, on the men's side, the, uh, Shenzhen, China, 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 China so the two China ATV 250 tournaments. I'm not going to butcher them anymore. Uh, next week, starting on the first, we've got the China open and the Japan open. So we have two 500 series. And then we have the Rolex Masters the week after that on the 7th. So um, I don't know. Are we going to do one next week for the China and Japan Open or are we going to be taking another week off? No, we'll be back next week. Uh, We'll we'll definitely be covering everything. Clearly, Um, people, we didn't talk about this before. And I'm also talking about it now so they they know what to expect. We're going to be back next week, probably next Sunday. Yep. Yep. We'll be back. And so, you know, expect another episode. So we'll do that. 
Uh, and just, uh, I know it's early, but from this point onward, and I, and I did this, I think last year after the US Open, and I'll probably continue to do it. And you'll hear me say it week after week after week, just because, you know, uh, some people might tune in for every episode. Some people might tune in every once in a while. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, just to let you guys know, because we did this last, last year, um, once the Davis Cup is over this year, uh, we'll be doing a, a wrap-up episode for the season where we're going to take a look back at the season that was on the ATP and the WTA Tour. Uh, that'll be, I believe, uh, the last week of November. Um, yeah, the Davis Finals on the 23rd of November, so uh, right. it will be the last week there. What day does that fall on, actually? 23rd is a Friday, so probably Saturday or Sunday uh, we'll probably get uh, that episode done probably Sunday, I imagine, for the uh, year-end review, as well as what happens with the Davis Cup final. Correct. And once that episode comes out, we will be uh, lights out uh, for the rest of the year. We'll be taking uh, about five weeks or so off, um, five or six weeks. We'll probably come back at the end of the first week of, of uh, January. January. Um, after New Year's and everything. So the next weekend, we'll come back with our first episode. We'll be doing our season preview. So just to give you guys a heads up as to what's coming down the road, um, in the next, you know, few months. Um, so, and I'll say this again and again. So you probably hear sick of me, uh, saying it over and again. Yeah, they're, pro- they're gonna start like turning this off whenever you probably start will, that. but like, yeah, yeah, yeah think- probably will. Like, I, I know, I know, I know, but uh, yeah, so uh, gotta get it out. All right, so uh, we'll see you guys next week. So, thanks for listening yep. to the, the Tennis Attic podcast, and we'll I appreciate and appreciate yeah. the feedback too. So yes, please yes. feel free if anybody wants to write in. Yep, I don't know the email address, Mike. Tell them the email address. Uh, tennis Attic Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, all one word, all lowercase. Uh, so again, thanks, Emily, for sending the feedback in. We very appreciative and, and feel free to send in more feedback, uh, regardless of whether it's uh, about a topic. Positive or not. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it could be, you can, you can bring up a topic, you can raise a topic, you can do whatever you want, just send any feedback. You we can really insult do me. It. I don't really care. <laughs> feedback is good. Yep. That means someone's actually listening. So yeah, uh, appreciate any feedback you guys give us. All right. Yep. All right. We'll see you guys next time. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Addict Podcast by Freaking Geeks Media. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Freaking Geeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps. If you would like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to tennisaddictpodcast at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanik or at Freak Geeks.
Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.